0: It's not enough to just do your thing. You have to give something. If you're going to be a leader, a true leader, gives people someone and something to believe in.
1: We gotta put that on a poster somewhere. <laughs> hanging it up in the office. <laughs> Hello, fellow geeks. This is Jay Shear, host of the Story Geeks podcast and co-founder of the Reclamation Society. I believe that stories shape the world, and as a writer, I'm interested in discovering how our favorite geek stories influence both us personally and how they impact the culture around us. Here on the Story Geeks Podcast, we explore the deeper themes in our favorite sci-fi, fantasy, and comic book stories. On today's show, Mike Gordon and I are reviewing and discussing Tom King and Mitch Gerard's Trade, The Sheriff of Babylon, Volume 2. We will start with a spoiler-free review, so if you have not read this comic yet, this trade, you can stick around for that. But then I will give a spoiler warning before we dive deeper into the story itself. So with that, let me welcome Mike Gordon to the show. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks. Howdy. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, of course. Great to have you back um and if the if the listeners did not hear your our previous podcast on the sheriff of babylon volume one first they should go back and listen to that one absolutely Um, why would you start with volume two why would you start with volume two exactly exactly you get spoiler alert for for those who haven't read (laughs) volume one but um can you tell us a little bit about yourself what you're working on give us a few plugs to your stuff absolutely well i am a uh writer uh creator,
0: um, publisher. Um, New Legend Productions is my publishing company. Uh, I do a lot of books. I think the one that most people know me for is uh, Tiki Zombie, which we've been uh, doing for a few years now. Uh, issue 4 we're working on now. Uh, we were working on another CD as well. So uh, that's a that's a fun book to do. Uh, we've got some other books, uh, a lot of other projects coming out, working on an anthology that's coming out this year, a prose anthology. Uh, the oh. second, the second one that we've done, uh, for the it's tied in with the Earth Station One network, which I'm also a part of as well. It's a podcasting network. I am a co-host on the Earth Station One weekly podcast, which is a pop culture. Uh, we talk about you know a lot of different things on that show, and then I also uh, co-host uh, Earth Station Who, which is more focused on Doctor Who. Uh, but I, I pop up on a lot of other podca- podcasts. I have a lot of different interests. But my main focus, uh, what I really
1: love, is talking about comics, so uh, I, I'm glad to be here and, and do just that. Yeah, we're glad to have you. So, for all those listening, um, make sure you go out and purchase some of those comics. I'll, I'll share a, a link to uh, Mike's website below in the show notes, so you guys have that to jump over to. Um, and he just hosted almost the entire podcast, of the ESO podcast, and it was uh, now, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, they might have released another one by the time this comes out, but um, it was Ghost in the Shell, which was a very interesting review of Ghost in the Shell, so you should probably go check that out, too. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much. Yes, uh, I, I do like movies, especially movies that are based on comics. So,
1: <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's that's phenomenal.
0: Which I would not be surprised at some point if it, there's been discussions about sheriff of babylon and making that into i think a a series definitely seems to be more in order for this this work but uh i would not be surprised if there were discussions like that
1: not at all and actually i think if if hbo got a hold of it it would be a phenomenal series i I think so too i think so too Um, All right, so we're going to jump into our spoiler-free review, so if you have not read The Sheriff of Babylon Volume 2, you can stick around for a little bit before we jump into the spoilers, and if you don't mind spoilers, then hey, stick around for the entire podcast. We'd love to have you. Um, So Mike, starting out with a quality rating on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being best, how would you rate Sheriff of Babylon Volume 2 on quality? Well, I'm not sure exactly, I I can't remember
0: what we've we my what my score was for volume one but uh whatever it was it this is better um i would uh uh i, I think the quality overall the consistency of the writing and the artwork um is, is better i enjoyed volume two more than i enjoyed volume one and i and as we talked about i enjoyed volume one quite a bit um so i would put this in the uh, certainly
1: as far as quality you know nine and up range I am 100 percent on the same page with you. I'd say probably between nine and nine and a half, so I'll call it a nine point two five. It's really good. It's really solid, and they actually added. Uh, they actually added, I believe, another artist has a couple of um there's a couple of art pieces from a second artist uh, spliced throughout here, and I thought that art was phenomenal as well. So not only Mister Ads, but um, but the other artist that's in here. In addition, even including the cover. The cover was not done by Girads; It was done by um, somebody else. Which Yeah, uh, John
0: Paulion Leon has done the covers, I think, for all of them. Okay. Uh, and he's he's outstanding. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a good fit.
1: Very good fit. Yeah, and even the way he has a slightly different take on some of the characters and what they look like, but, I mean, not like they're unrecognizable. Uh, it's just hyper-realistic. It's almost like you're looking at a photograph at some points. Yeah, stylized and, photograph, and
0: I and I really like his designs. On uh, uh, you know, he really knows how to make a cover
1: pop. Yes, absolutely, his covers are amazing. Um, the one I think if, if I was gonna say any complaints that I have would be really, um, really, really, really unfair because I, I'm at that, at that point I'm just being kind of over the top. Right. But there are a couple of sequences where it's just dialogue, and so you just get the same a very similar panel over and over and over and over and over. Um, but again, it's not that, that, that that's bad, and obviously we need to have that in some comics so that you can get communications. Um, you cover your conversations well, but uh, that's my only thing that I would point out.
0: Yeah, it, well, and there's a lot of dialogue. I mean, this is a, a very dialogue, a, a character-driven kind of story. So I, I think I, I sometimes I credit them for keeping it simple. There, in particular, there's a um, two page two pages where it's just one character uh, talking. And um, you know, you would think, well, this is you know, not exactly an artist's dream, right? (laughs) Right. But, uh, but yet, um, it works perfectly and it takes you right through that 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 piece, that monologue that she's doing. And you kind of feel like it's almost like when you get to that, you know, as an actor. When you get to that part in the play where you just have this monologue, um, and it's usually the the point in the play where people just stop, and 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 listen, and uh, it, I th- I just sort of felt that it worked that well
1: in this as well. I agree, I agree, and actually, if you if, uh, if I am I am aware of what you're talking about because it's actually uh, Sophia or Safia or however you want to pronounce it, I'm sure I'm butchering it. It's yeah. actually. Even four pages. So it's a is two. It page? four? It's four because it's it's a it's a two page spread, and then on the page before and the page after that spread, uh, it's all just. Yes, absolutely right. Um, but yeah, phenomenal stuff. We're, we are both and an hugely favorable to this book. Um, it is really do, done extraordinarily well from a quality standpoint. So, what about story depth? What do you say from one to ten? How deep is this story? Um, it's it's. The, the first volume was a
0: great introduction to the world and to the characters um, this is uh, more of a intense episode in the life of these characters um, it's uh, the the trade takes place in a shorter amount of time than the, the first trade um, it, it's a singular I don't want to say singular event but it's, it's it takes place on the course of I think really just a day maybe 24 hours mm-hmm. um, uh which is funny cuz they do mention uh 24 in this Oh that's right. <laughs> <laughs> <Forgot> about that. <laughs> Um but uh um and it's very intense. It's very intense um because this is a big deal. Uh there's a big meeting between a couple characters in this that uh we were waiting for through the entire like, you know, first volume. So uh and it and it doesn't disappoint. They they take their time with it and uh I think it's uh what really well done. Uh yeah.
1: So what's your, what's your numerical rating
0: on that? Um, my numerical rating would be probably about a, a an eight or nine. Uh, it's really high. I mean, this is, this is really um, very accessible and, 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 and the payoff is pretty, is pretty good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm, it's funny because I, I keep oscillating on the, on the story depth rating because, You know, there's always like these, you know, what I call bubblegum stories, like the Avengers, the first Avengers movie, where it's just like, "Ah, it's not really that deep. We don't go into anything. We don't really touch anything spiritual. We don't really touch anything about human nature per se. Like the bad guys are the bad guys and the good guys are the good guys. And it is what it is, right? Um, This one, the reason I keep oscillating is because it's super deep. It reminds me of uh, the TV show The Wire. Did you ever watch The Wire?
0: I did not. I've heard nothing but good things about it, but it's, it's one of those things that's on my list, but it's, I just
1: have not got around to it. It's- just too many things to do, right? Well, <laughs> I highly recommend The Wire because um, it basically is a slice of life in Baltimore from different angles. And it doesn't come to any conclusions except to say that this is a difficult situation to overcome. And I felt the same way about volume two especially. Because volume one sort of is introduction into like, here's how the world works in in this place, in this geographic location. And then volume two is almost like, because the world works this way, look how these things could play out. And look how scary this could be. It doesn't come to any conclusions for you per se. It just kind of addresses, it just kind of presents situations. And I really like that. So I would say, um even as i talk about it i'm thinking to myself yeah yeah they did a really good job with that and that and that so i'm going to say a 9 of for story depth it is is it is a pretty deep story
0: yeah they um there's a point in time when there's a series whether it's a comic series a book series uh, or even a television series especially a television series where you're kind of like i'm not sure like this is good but i'm not sure where it's going and you're not quite hooked yet some some hook you right away others takes you a few episodes um, uh, for example, I know that it's episode six with Breaking Bad that I was like, "Oh, this is my favorite show now," um, <laughs> and uh, um, and I almost feel like, you know, episode or volume one was really good. There's a lot of stuff going on here. I'm intrigued. I like the characters. Let's, you know, I'm curious to see where this goes. And then volume two, I was like, "Yep, I'm hooked now. they they, they got me. This is good." this is really good and this is worth it they they can they know how to pay stuff off absolutely now is this
1: this series is continuing right i believe so yeah i I was wondering about that because it does feel sort of like this is almost like a second act in a way yes Um, yes or even like the first part of a second act like like there's two parts to the second act and this is the first half of the second act um and it is i feel the same way it's like because the way that this ends and this is obviously spoiler free so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say how it ends but the way this ends is kind of like what in the world just happened and how should I feel about it and we're gonna dive into that in the spoilers but um it's almost like you have to read the third one just to see how they're going to deal with this situation so really really good um okay so now we get to the third rating category that we give this and that's our likelihood to refer so what is your likelihood to refer 10 being you're for sure
0: recommending it uh 10 Uh, i i would say if anybody out there is interested in a good story good comics uh you know um uh, interesting depth to characters etc etc they they can't go wrong with
1: this yeah i'm gonna go nine myself for all of the same reasons we talked about i think um, the, only, the only thing I'd say is if you uh, if for some reason you don't want to read a um, mature comic, it, it has all kinds of mature themes in it. so that would be my only caveat. but otherwise I would say, yeah, definitely definitely read this. It is incredibly strong, very well written, like we talked about already, um, drawn incredibly well. This is like you said, this is actually an improvement on the first one. So you know it, it's interesting I'm, I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt but I, I
0: just checked it out and it is a 12 issue limited series really so interesting it, it's done like
1: <laughs> it is it is all done <laughs> yeah i was
0: I, I was thinking there was a third volume coming or something that it was still being out or released or something but I just checked um, the comic book dB and it said uh, there's 12 issues last one came out uh, or cover date was January 2017 and the, in the notes it says it's a 12 issue limited series.
1: Wow. Well, I know that uh, Mitch Trads did listen to our last podcast because he was tweeting about it. Yes, I saw and that he, too. Yeah. And uh, if, cool. you're, yeah, if right. you're
0: listening now, thank you, Mitch.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you, and figure out how you can get Volume Three. <laughs> so, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't think you're done here. <laughs> no, 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 no. You've got more to tell. You've got more to say. So get out there and do it. Because we want. We want more. What's up, guys? Do you want to win free comics from the Reclamation Society and the Story Geeks podcast? Who doesn't, right? If you review this podcast on iTunes and also like our Facebook page, you will be entered to win a free comic book every single month. We may even have other prizes in the future. Give us an iTunes review and like our Facebook page. The links are in the show notes. And we'll enter your name in our giveaway. If you have a username on iTunes that we wouldn't recognize, just make sure you send us a Facebook message that we can connect your real name with your username on iTunes. It is that simple. And I thank you in advance for reviewing our podcast. Good luck on winning free comics and other material in the future. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there on iTunes. All right, now back to the show. So with that, I'm going to give a spoiler alert, and we are going to dive into this in a a lot deeper detail. So if you haven't read it yet, you might want to jump off. If you want to just explore the book with us and you're not concerned about spoilers, then stick around. But you have been warned, we are going to spoil things in this next section. And the first question I have for you, Mike, is how would you describe volume two of this series? Uh, Well, it's it's funny. Now that I know this is the
0: conclusion, (laughs) You know, I'm, 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 I'm sort I'm not sure I'm rethinking things, but, um, I do wonder, like I, there are some questions that I have as far as I'm not sure it was as successful in wrapping everything up. Um, or just if the idea was to leave me wanting more so that I would demand a volume three. Um, (laughs) uh, so, but volume two is, uh, you know, everything volume one, as cool as it is, is pretty much all set up. And it leads us to what happens in volume two. And volume two does not disappoint in terms of uh, you know, the meetings of the the, the primary characters and, and and sort of the mystery as to well certainly the initial mystery, right? because yep. we're in spoiler territory here yep yep okay yep. so we'll all you want so right the uh, the, the, the mystery of the the, the the first dead body that we see in volume one uh, and what happened to him and uh, you know what's what happened to Sophia uh, um, and where's Christopher's place is in this new environment as well as um, uh, you know the fate of of Nasir and his family, so so there's a lot of uh, all those questions or all those things that come up in Volume One are are dealt with, and I think most for the most part in a satisfactory fashion in
1: Volume Two. Yes, I agree with all of that. Absolutely, I I still felt like they're doing, and a there's a twist. And, yes, big a big twist, which <laughs> I think we're going to get into in, in some more detail, especially because now that we've now that we know that it's. Um, done done that this (laughs) this actually this actually not that it changes my opinion because I still think it's great but it really it really asks us to consider some things if this is if this is it if the character arcs are over then we have to we really need to dig into some of that which will come up in later questions but um I I think like volume one I mentioned that volume one was confusing I feel like volume two is also confusing um Mostly because, you know, we know what the character motive, the main character motivations are a little bit better now. So we know like Christopher, we know Safia, we know um, Nasir. We kind of get their character motivations, but we're introduced to new characters and we have no clue where their motivations are. It There's some indication that the US forces that are operating in Iraq are not even communicating with one another well. Um, and so it just gives this picture of like, what in the world is going on here? And it just seems like, um, honestly, it just seems like a giant shitstorm, if we're being honest. like, <laughs> No,
0: absolutely. <laughs> and, and I think that's, you know, I think that's what they're going for. Yes. I, I don't think
1: that's unintentional. Yep, I agree 100%. And it's, it's a little bit of a shift here because, now tell me what you think about this. I thought that in volume one, Christopher was sort of like our interpreter for what this world was like we sort of saw the world through his eyes yes but in volume two it seems like we're now seeing it more through sophia's or safia's eyes yeah i i
0: well yeah christopher's not near uh, he's not there uh, and he's really not there for the big scene right right he's right he's forced to to sit out the big scene he doesn't even know how what's going on there and that that's weird because that's uh i did not expect that um uh, you know, I kind of figured if there was going to be some, some revelation, uh, that he would be part of it, but he's not. Now he shows up at at the end, but even at the end, it's not. Uh, you know, I mean, he's not, he's not the main guy. He's not the the Bogart in this story, which
1: I thought he would be. Totally, totally, yeah, exactly. You're, you're right on. And that's not to, even, not to say that, so while, so that basically, um, just just if you haven't read it and you are sticking around for the spoilers, there's a scene at the end where um, basically uh, Safiya and Nasir are confronting Abu Rahim, and, and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing all that right. I have no idea. Uh, good, good enough for me. Okay. <laughs> it works. Uh, and then, and then Christopher is actually sitting in a special ops room with Bob. Sort of this, yeah, with Bob, <laughs> and they're sort of overseeing overseeing this thing play out. And and it's not to take away anything from that scene because that scene is phenomenal as well. Yes, yes. Uh, it's just not as quite as plot heavy. It's more about it's more about Christopher and his understanding of the world. Right. Well, and and
0: not to yeah not to dismiss that because while um you know in volume one. I think the two main characters that we we grab on to uh are you know if they're supposed if they're if they're giving out awards for leading male and female characters in this story right you're nominating christopher and uh sophia right yes so uh whereas you know nasir gets a huge 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 supporting role not right um, <laughs> uh, and then the rest of them are kind of there right so um and so in this one, in volume two, Christopher has his, you know, big moment with Bob finding out who killed and what happened to his man. Right. And and Safia has her big moment finding out what was behind or trying to find out uh, what was behind uh, the attack on her. Right. Um, so, so they do have both the huge moments, but they just don't have them together, which uh,
1: that's, I think, what I
0: was surprised by.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Especially, especially since we now know that it's uh, apparently ended and it's over. Yes. Um, so uh, I'm gonna we'll transition to the second question, which is, uh, and we talked about you know the, this confusing world, this confusing environment in which they're in, and um, I haven't had a chance to follow up on the last podcast you and I did. I talked about potentially doing an interview with Tom, but I've been so busy I haven't even got around to that. Tom King, the writer, right? Um, but he seems to be presenting an environment that is incredibly foreign to us and incredibly difficult for us to comprehend in terms of some of the ways in which that world works and so the, so the characters in this book seem to all go through an arc where they're questioning how they fit into the bigger picture how they fit into the bigger story that exists even outside this book and just the story of them as human beings and how they fit in the world and their impact on the world. So one of the central themes I felt like as I read this was each one of them is sort of pondering whether or not they have any control over or any influence um, over what's going on in Iraq at this point in time. And this is particularly true because they're all in the midst of some sort of personal tragedy. So my question to you, Mike, is as you see this story play out, how do you think each character feels about his or her role in the world and how much control or influence they actually have over their environment? And I thought we could just go through character by character and kind of just give a few, a few sentences about where they're at. So Absolutely. where do you think Sophia is at? Um,
0: boy, I'll tell you what. She is... Probably has more control than almost anybody. Um, She she seems to recognize the environment and what needs her uh, her ideas on how this needs to be straightened out um, Mm -hmm. seem to be in my mind uh, better than (laughs) better than anybody else's. Uh, Her confidence, uh, I love it. Um, She she. She's going through a lot. Um, she's got. Uh, she's just had, I believe, a miscarriage.
1: Yep, that's what I. That's the impression I got too.
0: And uh, and she's still in pain from that, both emotionally and physically. Um, and yet she holds her own against everybody else. Right. Um. Mm. Uh, she's very strong and uh like i said she's she can see through it sometimes it takes her a while she does get kind of fooled like we all do by Raheem. yep and the people who are setting him up and and what people and the information that she's getting is not valid and people have their own agendas for giving her this information but yet she's able to sort through it by the end and and just cut through the crap yeah and and, and uh, I really love the scenes. I mean, the scenes with her and other characters are just like if this ever does come to, you know, be a movie or, or TV series or whatnot, uh, you know, she's the casting of her is going to be so important. And the the actress that gets this role is going to be so blessed because, man, there's just so much to work with. And she's truly unforgettable.
1: Absolutely. Um, and We still
0: don't know where that scar came from. Yeah, we still that, there's no <laughs> indication there's, there's no background there. Um I am I think, kind of I am kind of wondering and and uh, yeah, um as far as you know, despite that everything though, one of the things that kind of left me inst- still a little bit of confusion is I'm not quite sure still who attacked her. Oh yeah, right. They didn't they didn't really come to terms with that at all. Okay, so that wasn't just me. I, I was no, like, no. did I miss something here? Because we do find out that it's, it wasn't Rahim. Right. right. Um, and, and there's some mention that it was really the United States forces or some mercenaries hired by the United States. Something to that effect. But it was the U.S. behind it. Right. But exactly what their motive would be, et cetera, et cetera, the details of that are not, not in my mind, not uh, well played out. So, um, you know, so that is one of the mysteries that were that I was kind of left behind going, you know, that's why I thought this was ongoing, because I thought we were
1: still going to deal with that. I could not agree more. And I almost feel like that this is a ploy by Tom and Mitch to, <laughs> to, to either, get, yeah, either get a TV series or keep it going, mm-hmm. um, because it just I well, I would like to make an argument that it can't really end here. Um, because if it does end here, I have, I have some issues with, uh, the character arcs overall. Um, but all that aside, um, we can dive into some of that stuff later too, but I, I I think you got Sophia exactly right. I would, I would add a couple of, um, of nuances maybe that I see in Sophia. Um, I think she is you said it right, right she actually probably has more control than anybody else she tells Abu Rahim at one point in time who do you think who do you think is controlling the Americans and she's yes. basically saying that I she's basically saying I am like Sophia is controlling them um, so it shows you that she has this quiet confidence in herself that what she wants will be achieved um, the other sense I get though, is that she has a humility about her that the others don't. So in other words, it's like, I would call her confident in her mission and purpose in life, which is to take back Iraq and to rule Iraq. However, she does not approach that, like we see from some of the other characters with a lot of pride. Um, She has pride for her country, but I I don't think she has a lot of pride in herself. Like I am amazing. It's more just, this is what I'm supposed to do. Right, and I have to get my hands dirty to do this.: Exactly,
0: exactly. And we all have to get our hands dirty to, de- to do
1: this. Right. It's exactly right. That's exactly right. Which is kind of played out, right? So yes. Um, so that's a good transition into Nasir. So how did you believe, what do you think, what kind of control does Nasir have, and what type of control does he think he has? At, by, by book two, um, Nasir's lost
0: everything. Uh, everything that he's ever done in his entire life, uh, well, certainly since uh, he had a family, was mm-hmm. to keep his family safe. Uh, the fact that he betrayed uh, Sophia's family um, uh, was, I think, because not because he, you know, really thought uh, that the company was uh, that the, you know, that towed the company line and and thought believed in what he was doing i think he just wanted he knew that um uh, he wanted to keep his family safe and uh after the bombs and after his wife is killed in volume two i mean in volume one he's done i mean it's yeah. apparent from the beginning of volume two where the u.s guys trying to, when trying to get information from him he just doesn't care he doesn't care he's given up and I think once uh, he's released by Franklin and uh, Sophia, the only thing he's living for is revenge.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: that's the, he, he's got nothing left to lose. He's just one of those great characters uh, that we've seen in, in literature and in movies and whatnot that, that they've, they just don't have anything to lose. And they're dangerous and yet, they're quiet about it. Um, there's a, and uh, there's almost a, a dignity about him, uh, despite the fact he doesn't. He's not a raging revenge-seeking uh, monster. He's he's just quietly accepted that he's got nothing else, and if he has the chance, he'll he'll exact revenge, which he does at the end, even yeah. if it's not on the real culprit right, <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> which in itself is a mystery of sorts too yes um yeah i think you hit it you hit the nail on the head like this is a guy who first of all he's never really been in control so unlike a lot of the other characters in the story who have experienced a great de- degree of control over what's happened in their lives um, he is the one person who has always been a second he's never been the leader. So he, you know, he's working for Saddam. After he's working for Saddam, he's working for um, uh, Sophia. After working for Sophia, he's sort of working for Christopher in a way, and Christopher and Sophia. And so it's this, it's a guy who says, you know what? Control is, is a fallacy to begin with. We don't really have any control. And the only thing that we can control is what we do with what we're given. Um, so in, in some and I regards... Think, I think
0: he tried to control, you know, protecting his family. I think that's where he thought, like, okay, I can't control anything else, but at least I can, you know, control what happens to my family. And then when
1: that falls apart, he's got nothing hundred percent because he he and that's actually one of my catchphrases that my wife told me I, I use too often a hundred percent but yeah you know you're right like like when when his family is finally um, when his wife is finally killed because you know we we don't even see his daughters actually killed in volume one that is like sort of already killed by the time we catch up with them yeah. um, but his wife's killed in volume one as well so in volume two he's left with like nothing so um I actually like that. So of the of the of my favorite characters that appear in this entire series, I mean, really Sophia is probably my favorite. but Nasir is like probably a close second. Uh, I know I like Christopher too, but I just uh, I can I can empathize with those two characters and I can also see what they're trying to accomplish and how they're trying to accomplish it. And I just really appreciate them which is yeah interesting. and you could see if it you know i mean
0: i hate to keep saying about you know adapting this or whatever because it, it stands out on its own but you know i do get the sense from reading this i don't know um uh writing wise character wise but certainly from an artistic point of view you know i can easily see that there's influences like such as um uh, uh omar sharif uh, or, uh, like a classic actor like that, or, um, man, I'm blanking on, on the actor's name, but he was in, um, uh, uh, he's in, been in a couple of, uh, the bond, uh, the Daniel Craig bond movies, but, um, and, and anyway, but just somebody like, uh, of distinctive, uh, like who has some class to him, but yet also has
1: an element of, of violence if needed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, How about Christopher?
0: Christopher has potential in volume one, (laughs) but (laughs) then in volume two, we kind of find that, uh, he, he's just sort of, it seems like he's just sort of given in. Like there does seem to be this, this goal of his, or this idea of his, that he can maintain his ethics, maintain his, uh, his way of thinking, uh, to try to clean up and help this situation but by the end he's I don't want to call him broken but he's adapted right, right. Um, he, he he realizes that he just it's too big for him and uh, he's just going to I think he decides you know what um, Safia knows what she's doing I'm just gonna align myself with her and and, and, and this is it's interesting because, Yeah, he starts out as being our eyes in, like this is going to be our main guy that we're going to follow and he's going to make stuff happen, but he doesn't. Uh, I mean, he helps out, but he's not the guy who's in control and he quickly shifts from being an interesting character to in the second half, not so much.
1: Yeah, and I think he goes through this interesting character arc where at the beginning of the film, I would... I would interpret his behavior and his thought process as someone who is supportive of what the U S is doing in Iraq and yet frustrated by the little change that is not occurring in the first, in the first is where he kind of starts out with. Um, but in the second, by the end of the second book, after he's gone through his complete character arc at this point, he, I almost feel like he's, he's, he's rooting more for, safia and nasir than he is for the u.s in any way shape or form well, well obviously i mean yeah, yeah. i mean yeah.
0: That, that 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 final page i mean the three of them are standing together with the dead with you know with dead bob exactly no, bob, uh but uh jim. jim jim thank you right yeah so another generic name i mean you know, they're the, they're, they're, uh, but yeah i mean they yeah they've obviously he's made his decision um and you know he's decided not to shave um <laughs> that's right yeah it's just sort of but i mean i think visually that's telling right you know it he's is. not the, he's not the clean cut american uh that he was in the beginning um and yeah i you know and i i i wish that i i guess through the his conversation with bob his encounter with bob that's what broke him you know because he's going to shoot bob in the back and he decides not to and right. that's when he's made his decision of, I guess I'm not going to be a guy of action. Mm. At least, yeah, I'm not going to be a guy of action. Uh, I'm just going to, uh, but I don't like the American guys because what they're doing is, is is not right as far as I'm concerned. Right. So uh, from now on, I'm just going to, you know, I'll be hanging out with uh, uh, Sophia.
1: Exactly.
0: exactly. Who, you know, it's really under understated. But in the first volume and in the second in the second volume it hardly comes up at all, but in the first volume it's sort of surprising to learn that Christopher and Sophia have a sexual relationship. Yes. Um, And and the the miscarriage is I I think we're led to believe that it's Christopher's baby. Yes, exactly. Um, Although we're not sure. So but he's not in that discussion whatsoever. I mean that's not that's not part of his character story at all, really.
1: No, and I get, I got the impression that, you know, um, it's it's interesting because uh, I think what we're dealing with is we're dealing with this like incredibly broken environment. And this is not something that we experience. Well, I will, I'll just internalize this to myself. Um, I live in suburban America, right? So the environment that I live in, I trust the police, for example. Uh, I feel like most of the people that are in my circle of friends and things like that are not trying to uh, harm me in any way on a weekly basis, right? Like I can trust most of them. Um, And yet what we're seeing in this environment is that life is incredibly difficult. So much is out out of our control. Um, and that you're just trying to live day to day and trying to survive to a large extent with what you've been given in this incredibly um, broken, hostile environment. And I think that there's a component of the miscarriage that's so damaging to Safia because I feel like with the miscarriage, what she's what, one of the things that she's mourning is I could have a relationship with somebody that you know, we think she loves Christopher. Maybe she doesn't. Maybe she's using Christopher in that way. But I could have this other relationship. I could have this other life. But then after the miscarriage, it's like a reminder that, nope, this is a hard place. This is a hard life. And I am still on mission. And I don't get to fantasize about having um, all the things that I want. I must continue forward with what I've been given. Um, and I think that that's a pretty intense, really deep, track of story to walk through with her. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it adds
0: an element to her, but as far as Christopher concern is concerned, I don't even know if he ever finds out. Right. Um, and um, it, yeah, like I said, it's not really part of, it's not why he sticks around her. Um, I, I think, you know, despite the fact that she's been part of uh, some really unethical and dangerous things, um i don't know maybe because she's more attractive i I don't you know i mean but uh christopher decides to and and, well i can't blame him because as far as this story goes i'd get behind her as well i mean she's the most compelling character in this in this story so i mean i'd be like yeah. so you know if i'd follow you sophia because i'm certainly not apt to follow like franklin and bob
1: yeah, and in, in, in that regard, um, she really does feel like the only character who wants the best for Iraq. Maybe Nasir as well, and maybe Christopher. But the, yeah. the American forces, the U.S. forces, they just seem to be playing a game that they want to win. Right. Um, how about Franklin? What do you think about Franklin and his thought about how he can have control or influence over this environment?
0: Well, Franklin does have—I mean—a lot of control. He's not really um, a compelling figure by any means. He's—we don't know much about him, and we don't need to. We don't even know if that's his real name. Um, he's pretty generic as a as a character, but what he represents, of course, which is uh, what's going on uh, from the U.S. side of things, is is downright frightening. Um, uh, the the will that they they sort of have on like you said uh the will that they they sort of have on they don't really care about the iraqi people uh they don't care about restoring iraq to um any sort of semblance of greatness um you know it's it's not quite clear exactly what the uh agenda is as far as on a on a national level like what we're doing there or what franklin is trying to accomplish um, certainly in volume two, it seems like he's just out to get Raheem. Right. Um, and whether or not he knows that Rahim is not exactly, you know, uh, the, the, one of, should be on the 10 most wanted terrorist list. We don't know. <laughs> right. Or if he's just using him to move things forward as well. Um, uh, but certainly, um, yeah. So he, you know, it can't trust anything that he says. Um, And he's probably, well, I don't know if he's my least favorite character, but I mean, he's necessary to everything that's going on. And he's certainly representative of, of what, what a mess it is.
1: Yeah. He feels really like, um, like he thinks in terms of um, in binary terms. And what I mean by that is he just thinks that, I have a job to do this job is x i will do this job (laughs) um there's no thought of there's there's very little thought of uh i mean we do get the sense that he in, in the end there when he's wondering if he should go in or not in in the operation that they're doing with um safia and abu rahim that there's a sense that he's kind of trying to track what's the right thing to do in this scenario but it, it always seems like he's very calculated. He doesn't seem like he's super concerned for anyone's well-being. He just wants an objective to be, to occur. Yes. I, I do
0: get the sense that he's a little bit... I mean, he's certainly higher... I mean, this, you could say some of the similar things about Bob, but Franklin's a little higher up. Yep. and And probably is in on some of the strategy sessions. Yep. So he's probably got more influence... Um, as to what's going on but you're right he's you know and i think he's generic for a reason obviously i'm not complaining uh from the creators that they made him generic um because it, it it's exactly what's kind of you know expected there really i mean he's empty and and um you know certainly at the end when uh nasir takes his revenge finally and really you know obviously christopher and sophia are there too because they they feel that they uh are owed some revenge as well uh in killing jim they're really lashing out against bob or franklin and it could be any one of them right um but the fact that it's not and i'm sure we'll get to that uh, a little bit later but the fact that it's not is, is is you know, I mean, it, it really should be. I mean, even if it was Franklin, it still wouldn't be that satisfying. Exactly. Exactly.
1: In some ways, less so because of the way that Jim from Ops was acting when he met with them. Yes. Um, right. <laughs> um, what about, so what about Bob? That's a good type of What for about Bob, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. well, yeah, what about Bob? <laughs> well, yeah,
0: we're, I, th- it would have been satisfying had it been Bob. I think it would have been most satisfying... It had it been bob because i, I think outside Completely of agree. um you know outside of raheem bob is is pretty much a re- reprehensible character um i mean obviously he's and this is what you know i think uh you get the impression that the u.s forces certainly guys like franklin want all their guys to be like bob um yes. they want christopher to be like bob um and that's the that's the decision christopher has to make do i end up you know uh being like bob or where do i do where do i go because certainly everybody's saying to christopher at least on the united states side you should just roll with it and this is how it is and you know in in no uncertain terms be like bob right right right. uh because bob is uh there he's following orders um, but there's a little bit of uh, the thing about it is he's not just following orders he's he's enjoying what he does um he enjoys um uh pissing on the peasants so to speak yep um and uh that's that's yeah that's he's he's really reprehensible
1: yeah my my first note under bob's name is complete asshole <laughs> <laughs> i don't know that there's yeah, this way is to a say guy it. that yeah, this is a guy that you
0: know. You're kind, you know, when Christopher does get behind him and pulls out the gun, I'm like, please do it. But I knew he, I knew he wouldn't. Right. Uh, but um, yeah, and Bob knew he wouldn't. Yeah. Here's the question: Does Bob know that he's pulled a gun on him? I think he does. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Because yeah. I don't think Christopher's that slick. No, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's not a slick guy. That's not part of his uh, makeup. <laughs> So and and uh, you know Bob's even weaseling out of the fact that he didn't kill Nasir's wife directly. Right.
1: He takes no responsibility for anything.
0: Yep. No, he doesn't, and he doesn't. But you know, in order to to maintain who Bob is, you know, he doesn't remember names. He doesn't care about names. He can't. He can't let that stuff get to him yep. because he needs to be Bob. And yep. uh, it's just he has. But the fun the and i think bob knows he has no control yes um and and you could you could argue that he takes out that frustration with no control on others yep um but that's giving him some understanding and motivation which i really am not comfortable doing for giving him because i don't i don't really feel like uh, i want to like him at all so, yeah. <laughs> so i don't want to give him any sort of excuses uh for his uh behavior you know right
1: and this is this is an interesting point to be made because i don't get the sense as you as you and i are talking there's this kind of sense that the u.s is this big bad force in iraq that really shouldn't be there and it's awful that they're there um I don't necessarily get the sense that Tom as a writer is taking that stance. Instead, what I I think he's saying is, look, we have a certain value system that we have brought to this country that has some very negative aspects to it. In other words, we're looking at this country like a war zone. These people are looking at this country as their country. And when, and when those two different viewpoints slam into one another, you get the character arc that we see Christopher go through because Christopher goes through this, this character arc where he says, you know, he, he shows up and he's immediately frustrated in volume one by the lack of discipline amongst the forces he's trying to train and the lack of um, trustworthiness of these forces. But by the end, he's equally frustrated with the U S forces and how they're manipulating the situation in Iraq. And I think what you get is you get this person who's in the midst of, you know, I come from this country and I, and I respect this country, but the way that they're operating here, when you look at it from the Iraqi people's perspective, just feels so oppressive. It feels like an occupying force as opposed to someone who's coming in to save them from oppression. So yeah. it's just, it's, it's a very interesting nuanced take. And I don't, I don't think that that Tom is saying like, wow, condemn america necessarily but he is pointing out like look how damaging this is just by the sheer simple force that we are doing it yeah yeah i think you could make a case certainly
0: that uh that tom is is more yeah is is i don't want to say anti-us but um certainly is questioning yes um, a a lot a lot of things and uh and yeah, it it also occurred to me that I, you know, not that I, I, I want to get to know Bob too well, but I, I'm thinking that his role model uh, is uh, Robert Duvall in Apocalypse Now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> and, and I think that's actually, you know what, like to be able to go to have to go through the things that Bob has certainly gone through and disassociating um yourself to the fact that that there's human beings involved so i'm not trying to give bob an out because i think what he's doing is completely wrong and that we should resist that at all points but at the same time i haven't had to go through that level of how do you disassociate between the fact this is this is an interesting thing i always think about with with war is that you are literally going to carry a gun or a missile or you're going to be in a plane and you are going to kill people I mean, there's no, there's, there's, not uh, a good way around that. We don't fight with rubber bullets when we go to right. war. Right. And there's a certain amount of trauma, uh, not only on the side of the people who are having um, their, their cities destroyed and their loved ones um, decimated, but on the other side of that coin, to be the one doing that has to carry an emotional toll that I can see people wanting to disassociate and make it about... Well, I'm just making this about the objective. Who cares about everything else? Um, I'm sure that is very difficult. I think that the problem is we have to resist um, just giving up on the people aspect of it. Yeah. And I do think, in Bob's
0: defense, he is shaken up about the fact that they attacked a Christian house. Yes. Yes. He is very shaken up by that. Um, and too much, you know, and that does sort of. Even more so, I think, lead to his uh, distrust and his treatment of uh, the the Iraqi people. Uh, In particular, you know, the guy that I can't remember his name, but the guy who ends up dead in the you know the the whole murder mystery. The oh yeah 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 yeah. Because uh, you know he gave him wrong information, whether or not it was on purpose or not. Uh, Bob doesn't care Um, because Bob's you know pretty pissed that that happened. Right, exactly. I'm gonna so get it's name. not that he's he's completely you know uncaring. Um, you know he does have feelings, uh, but yeah they they uh, and Bob gets the job done. I mean Franklin needs guys like Bob. Right,
1: right. He has to have guys like Bob, or else he he'll never get his objectives met. Basically, yeah. Yep. I thought I was gonna get to that name, but I couldn't get to it fast enough. <laughs> I I think it's oh yeah here it is Ali Al Fahar. Yes, right, thank you. Yeah, there it is. Bihar. Um Okay, last one on this list is Abu Rahim. What do you think about him? Yeah, um, it, it's almost...
0: Uh, man, he... In the first volume, he's touted as this mysterious, you know, almost... I don't want to say ter- stereotypical terrorist, but mm. just a guy who... Is out there um, causing trouble and uh, you know and and being a, a general threat like a uh, like an absolute like threat. Um, but you know we come to find out that uh, he is just a small player in this. Um, I think he has delusions of grandeur, uh, of being on the top ten of the ter- most wanted list, but he's. Just not there, and I think you know the fact that uh, he's not Iraqi, right? I don't believe so. No. Yeah, I think I think, yeah. I think they make the the point where um, he he's not he's not from Iraq. This is really not his fight, you know. And he's going around telling people like Nasir, like Safia, that you know what, like they're that what they're doing is wrong, and they need to be true to who like. You know they are and they're, they're people and everything and he's not one of them right so um he's just in it to uh yeah I, I i don't i mean he's i don't know what he's in it for i think like i said i think he just wants to be a big player um and uh, i you know not even the the uh the the explosives that he's wearing are real right <laughs> uh you know he, he comes in and he's alone uh because his guys have already been disposed of and he's got nothing so he's you know he gets the call- he must have got that call that four-page call from sophia and thought oh my god she thinks i'm the guy yep. like i the everything that i've worked for to be the guy to be this like big badass is working she yep. believes it you know the united states believes it this is awesome i'm gonna strut in there um and we're gonna we're gonna get shit done right we're gonna get things done and we're gonna just terrorize yep. the us yep. um we don't know his full story as rationale for why he wants to do this he talks about and we'll uh i probably mention this later but well he talks about you know god and and what they're supposed to do according to uh, the religious beliefs that he has, but I don't know that he actually believes those. Um, <laughs> right. So uh, he thinks he has a lot of control. He wants to be a major player, but by the we find out at the end, he
1: he's nothing. He's just a little schoolboy, really. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, I, I really felt like he was in in regards to what he felt like he could control and what he felt like he could influence. I felt like he is basically the counterpart to bob um not i think bob has a little nuanced because abu rahim wants to be the top dog and i don't know that bob wants to be the top dog he just wants to accomplish his objectives but in terms of what they can control he he's even using religion as an excuse to try and make a name for himself right so yeah um, i think you hit the nail on the head he's just sort of he's just this he wants to be something that he probably is not even capable of becoming. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that was good. That was a long discussion into the characters, which is fantastic. Now, um, as we, and this is a good segue actually, as we're talking, to, we start to talk about how the characters view God and, and view God's will. So, Sophia and Abu Abu Rahim talk about God. So, there's a scene where they're talking about, um, you know whether or not what what Iraq should become and what God has to do with that. And there's the suggestion that it's God's will that things occur. So the question from a, from a story depth standpoint is how do you think the characters deal with the fact that so many negative things occur in their lives and how do they trust God despite the tragedy that they've experienced? Well, um taking these two
0: characters and i think they're the ones that probably this relates to more than anybody else because the others i mean i know christopher is torn with ethics but we don't really know if he's a religious man correct um so um but they the two of them uh sophia and abu like treat it very differently um through the course of both volumes um, Sophia is trying to reconcile herself with, with her religion, with God and God's will. Um, it's not as simple as, as uh, the platitudes that Abu is is spouting, whether or not he believes them or not. You know, um, because you know she tells a couple of really cool stories that she attributes to her her grandfather although her brother says i don't think he ever said those <laughs> <laughs> right. so he he kind of calls her out on those but um uh and whether or not they wherever they come from it doesn't matter it just proves that she's trying to reconcile uh, her own feelings um and and the story about the uh, the fish is really apt because you know for all the the things that you are praying for um, other people are praying as well, and there's going to be times where those prayers, those goals, are going to conflict. And and what happens when that happens? You know, mm-hmm. like, and how do you reconcile that? Does does God is God's will favoring one person over another? Um, is there an actual God at all? Et cetera, et cetera. And and so those are um things that she's dealing with i mean she's got a mission and she would like to believe that god is behind her but she also understands that um you know like for example franklin may be you know praying to god for what he wants as well and you know what how is that going to be reconciled right right Um, But I do believe that out of uh, all the characters, I do believe that her spiritual journey is the one that at least I find most interesting and
1: most genuine. Yeah, totally, totally. And I think that the story really does her justice because as we do consider this question, which is very applicable to, I think, every human being's life, if you're going to choose to believe in God or not, the other question you're going to need to ask yourself is, well then how come tragedy exists um, how come how come uh, I'll use uh, quote unquote evil exists in the world how come it's allowed to exist? why would God allow it to exist? why would God allow negative things to happen especially to those people who are following him and so I'm not taking a stance on on which God obviously Safia's God is uh, probably not the not the God that most, people in the United States with a Judeo-Christian background are familiar with. Um, so there's probably some, some differences between the two as you attribute, um, a deity to that name. But the question is always like, you know, is, is God an advocate for us? Is God, how does God work in our lives? Obviously the story starts out with, this is, she believes she's on a mission. She believes she has a purpose to take back Iraq. She believes that God is behind her in that purpose. And yet the first part of her story arc in volume two is her having a miscarriage. And so where is God in that? Did God uh, allow for the miscarriage to happen? And why is that some sort of um, punishment for her? Because she's doing something she shouldn't do. And yet, so it just, it just brings out about a lot of questions. And I think Tom actually handles all of those questions as a writer really really well because he's not asking you to come to any conclusions on the topic he's just asking you to consider them Um, and if you listen to the story geeks podcast for any time at all like you can see that these are the types of questions that we like to consider as these things come up so i think he does a really artful job of not preaching to anybody but merely presenting it as we all say these things we all talk in these ways but what does that really mean Yeah, I think it's really interesting when she's talking to uh, Hasir about
0: the painting. um, Yes. And then she mentions that, uh, you know, God, like everything is, throughout all the tragedy, you know, he makes everything possible, uh, she says. And uh, and Nasir says, so we blame God for all of it? Because, you know, Nasir's had a pretty shitty life. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> very and, much so and,
0: and she says no no we praise him for it and it's a really like and he just blows it off by saying ah, it's the same like praising blaming it's the same thing you know Um, right. um and it kind of is but the fact that she believes we pra- you know to praise him for that is really interesting I mean I'm not you know despite the fact that she lost that she miscarried and and uh, I, I sort of it occurs to me that she's really angry about losing the baby, um, and she wants to take it out on on Raheem, right? Yes. She yes. desperately wants to, to to you know have him uh, get his comeuppance, and 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 be taken away or shot or killed by the United States forces or whoever because she uh, is exacting some sort of vengeance there but i think once she finds out that and I, this is just speculation on my part but i th- believe once she finds out that raheem is a fake and didn't is not who he you know he's just a guy who wants to be on tv yeah. um, uh, then she she gets really angry because she realizes i think that um, you know if it's the us that's behind it and if she, in fact, believes—which she does—say that she's using the U.S., then it's really a sacrifice that, on her part, yep, yep, um, and it's and it's herself to blame, and uh, it was a sacrifice that she must make in order to do what she has to do, um, and and um, she's very angry about it,
1: but I think by the end she's she's made her peace with it. Yep. Absolutely. And I think, um, just to wrap up this question, I do think that it's it's really worth considering. I love stories that bring up these deeper questions because these are the questions that I think on a daily basis, we don't have to consider them because we just go about our lives. But then there's these questions that come up and I think this story does such a good job of bringing them up in extreme circumstances, but I think we can apply them to us is what do we feel like, so one the question you would have to ask is is there a god and then you also have to figure out if there is or if there isn't what does that mean um, but two if there is then how does, how does this all work how, why, do, why is there evil why is, why are they, is evil even a term that we can use to describe bad things or you know all these things are really good questions to at least ponder and consider so I like that it brought it up
0: me too me too um that's why she's my favorite character and i don't i want to i want to keep following her i want to i want i you know you can call the next series sophia of babylon (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly um
1: i'm gonna skip the uh down to a a question and we're gonna come back to the other two because i just think it's good to off um just to piggyback off the what we just talked about. There's a scene at the end where Sophia tells a story that her grandfather told her, which like you just pointed out is like questioned about whether or not her grandfather actually told her this. Yeah. And in this case, it revolves around um, a convert uh, to Christianity. Yep. And so this is, I believe a Muslim convert and the convert says at the end of the story. So basically, let me just re- tell the story really quick. Uh, Basically, um, there is uh, a Muslim uh, person who has a Christian friend and they're, they're, I believe, in either the Persian area or somewhere. I don't think that's really explained in detail. And the Muslim person says to the Christian person, um, what should I, uh, I would like to learn more about your religion and and I want to convert to Christianity. What should I do? And the Christian says, well, you should go to Rome. Um, and the Christian is actually thinking, like, that the Muslim convert will see how, um, what word do I want to use? Um, pious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both pious and also both, like, secular, Rome actually is, right? It's like that, this is the dichotomy, yeah and, I think. And so then the Muslim person actually goes and visits Rome and then comes back to the Christian person. The Christian person's kind of expecting that the Muslim person won't actually convert and and the muslim person says to the christian person oh no actually i believe even more so than i believed before i went to rome and the christian person's like what what in the world how would you get there and the convert the muslim convert to christianity says anything that has believers in a land such as this this thing must be true and i think what as that scene is unfolding they're showing um, the tragedy of living in Iraq contrasted with the Americans who are basically partying at like Saddam's palace and they're swimming and they're—they looks like they're having a really good time. Right. And, there's, and I, there's shots of decadence and violence yes. and yes. And so I think the point to be made from the story is that if people cling to something, um, whether it's God, Christianity, whatever it is, if people are clinging to it despite um, an overabundance of uh, success or o- an overabundance of um, of really nice things, um, then this thing must be true. If people are, because otherwise you would abandon it, going like, "Who who needs God when you have all this other stuff that you could be um, doing for fun?" Right, right, right. And I, yeah, and, that's absolutely
0: what she's yeah saying.
1: Yeah, so my question to you, Mike, is um, do you think it's easier or more difficult to believe in something, particularly God, when you have everything that you need on earth? Well, um, it's a very
0: interesting and personal question. Um, <laughs> I know. So, How about so, that? <laughs> so, Jay, so, Jay, we're getting deep. Um, yes, we are. Yes, we are. Um, look, I, I, I'm I, going to... Uh, uh, switch over uh to a another um story slash quote that i enjoy um uh a lot uh and it's from uh the play uh, the real thing by tom stoppard mm. and in it, it's about a relationship so it's not quite as epic as you know converting to religion but um or as the scenario in rome or iraq but i think it, it is applicable here um and in it um one of the characters says to another, um, it's, it's, and I'm paraphrasing here, Yeah. but um, uh, love is, it's real easy to love somebody when everything is awesome, right? Yeah. It's easy to love somebody at their best. Love, real love, is loving someone at their worst. Uh, and, and I think this is, you know, this is what I kind of took of it. Like, If, if when, you know, and it's the same can be held with belief in God, whatever your ethics are, right? Right. It's, it's, if your, if your beliefs are constantly challenged, then how strong must they be uh, in (laughs) order to just, you know, keep, you know, it's really easy to be like, hey, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I don't have beliefs or, you know, I'm going to just change my beliefs and uh, whatever the environment is and adapt um, or, you know, if you're just going to be who you are and, and stay true to that despite all the chaos that's going on around you. And, and, and that's why I think, you know, that's so important f- for Sophia to, to sort of hang on to. Because she's like, look, if, uh, you know, if I'm just a, a, a kite in the wind or a kite in the hurricane, right? um that's no way to live. I don't know where I'm going to end up. I don't know like that's no good for anybody. But if I if I stay fast to this rock that is my beliefs, um then then we'll survive. We'll survive this storm. And and I'm use, I'm throwing out a lot of quotes and analogies here, but um I think obviously you, that you tend to do that
1: when you're talking about beliefs and religion anyway. Absolutely. No, I think you, what you said is is right on um and i also think that uh you know there's 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 different postures that people take um towards spirituality to begin with right so uh whether or not your spirituality is that you believe you don't have spirituality and you're basically an atheist or whether you believe that spirituality is more about the all-encompassing spiritual connectedness of nature and human beings and all of these kinds of things or whether you believe it's um, a God or gods and depending on, you know, how you view those things. um, I think that we take these postures to where a lot of times I think too, we think, well, if we're just, if we do what we believe that God wants us to do, then favor should be be like bestowed upon us. Right. And so there's these, or you can think to yourself like, Oh, well, I don't really need, I don't really have a need for God because I can quite frankly just provide for myself um, or or God's, right? In, insert whatever spiritual belief you have. And so it's this this constant question of can I rely upon myself? Um, do I need to, repl- to rely upon something else? How much control do I have? How much influence do I have? Um, and I think uh, Sophia is dealing with that throughout the entire story and trying to come to terms with the way that she sees things as well. And it's just a really interesting... It's a really interesting way to display it. And I just think that it's done so well because, you know, we do have shows like you referenced um, 24 uh, earlier because the book references it as well. And, you know, that show would basically say, like, uh, (laughs) America's fantastic and... Whatever America believes is the right belief and, um, and Jack Bauer can do whatever he wants to do and we're still going to root for him because you know we're, we're, America is right and or even more appropriately, so Jack Bauer is right. Um, and that's not very nuanced and it doesn't really feel it feels more like escapism. and this feels more like no, no no, these are some things that you you must consider. Um, and I really appreciate that Tom put those in the book for sure. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. I mean I think it's a very and it's very important, especially in this region, right? Um, yes the, the the birth of Christianity. The birth I mean in that area, in that small little area, you know, so many uh belief systems uh were born and you know I, I think to this day our our reasons of conflict beliefs uh you know uh, uh cause conflict um obviously people put their own personal beliefs into into the those grand beliefs but right yet right. so it, i mean it it all boils down to how someone responds to them and what they take away from whatever belief system we're talking about but um certainly in this area and i think going forward i mean Obviously, Sophia, and I think that's why she's a leader too, because she understands that it's not enough to just do your thing. You have to give something, if you're going to be a leader, a true leader gives people someone and something to believe in.
1: Absolutely. That's a great take right there. You got to put that uh, on a, on a <laughs> poster somewhere. <You're> Hang it <laughs> up in the office. <laughs> Hey guys, pardon my brief interruption here, but do you need a new pair of headphones? If you do, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Urban Vinyl. They make premium wood headphones that look amazing. But here's the thing, they're made by audiophiles for audiophiles, so they sound as good as they look. In fact, reviewers have called their headphones the best headphones on the market, better even than Bose and Beats. And you know what? I agree. They're what I use when I record this podcast. Please consider purchasing a pair using the link in the show notes. If you click the link to their website and use the promo code J, my name, my first name, J-A-Y, super simple, you save 15% And Urban Vinyl will make a donation to the Reclamation Society. So if you need headphones or you're looking to upgrade the pair that you currently have, definitely take a look at what Urban Vinyl has to offer. Click the link in the show notes to visit their website and use my name, J-A-Y, to get the 15% discount. Thanks for letting me interrupt. Now, let's get back to the show. So I'm going to take a break from there um, and we're going to go back into more of the plot-driven questions. So um one of the things that uh, Sophia, uh and by the way we've been using safia Sophia throughout the story just so you if, if you haven't read the story uh, right. basically her actual name is safia but because the americans have difficulty pronouncing it which by the way mike and i be, might be pronouncing that name wrong um, absolutely yeah I, I yeah i that's why i think i'm like balancing both
0: yeah because it's it's the same it, but you know it's to her credit because she is such a diverse and deep character that, you know, I think it applies. I think there are times when she's Sophia and there are times when she's Safia.
1: Oh, could not agree more. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, So Sophia Safia is talking to Abu Rahim Um, And he is just pissed off that the Americans are in the region whatsoever. And he basically believes that that is an affront, not only to his um, belief system, but an affront to their people. And um, basically what Sophia says is that she basically points out to him, like, who do you think is controlling the U.S.? And she basically indicates that it's her. So, what what control do you think Sophia has over the U.S., and do you think she really has the kind of control that she wants slash needs? Um, I
0: think she's under the impression that she has more control than she does, and she this, this story, both volumes one and two, is her learning that she doesn't have as much as she thought she did, hmm. but she still has a lot. Um, she still has a lot. Um, she is... Uh, able to get things done. I mean, we see in the first volume that she's able to get things done, uh, whereas uh, the council is is you know back and forth, back and forth. How do we get this? How do we do that? And she's she's a woman of action. She's not afraid to get her hands dirty. Uh, she's not afraid to get other hands dirty. She's not afraid to use people. Um, so um, uh, you know, she's she's got a lot of power. Uh, amongst herself and others, um, and you know, I mean, even so much so that uh, Abu is enamored by her. He knows her. He wants to be. He wants to 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 be on that team. Um, uh, he wants to join up with that. Um, he doesn't want to be her second, obviously, but um, you know, he want he wants a piece of that because he kind of sees that you know, she's on TV, you know, she could, she's, she could be, she's a leader out there. Um, and, uh, and I, and I have to think that I don't, that's why I, I wish there was a little bit more, um, development about what happened to her, because if in fact, the attack on her was because she was, uh, because her position of power was getting uh, the the United States was getting uncomfortable with that. Then I would have liked to have seen or at least found out later like what she had done um, that really was the tipping point. Right. And 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 where she goes from here, because, you know, I mean, obviously it's like I, I don't think they'd stop with just one attempt. Right. So. So, um, you know, because um, I doubt the objective was for her to lose the baby. So. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, but I do think it. She's using the U.S. I, I don't think she's on Team USA, but she knows that, um, despite the fact that they are, um, despite the fact that they are brutes, um, that they are uh, like a bulldozer of sorts, um, uh, that they have their uses, and she can she can
1: help her people if 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 she's smart about it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that that's, that's all right on. It occurred to me as you were talking, um, just the, I had not actually attributed the miscarriage to the incident with the, um, with the attack on her car. Um, and now that you, now that you point that out, it just, it just speaks volumes into the kind of personal trauma she's having to go through even to control this behemoth. Um, this oppressive behemoth to her country like the United States. And yet she feels like she needs to do that in order for her to gain traction in restoring Iraq to its former glory. And um, she's willing to go through those personal sacrifices, which is just really interesting. Um, I do think that there's something to be said too for, I mean, this is an area of the world, and I'm not suggesting that it's just Iraq and that, that, that I'm not even suggesting that I have enough knowledge of the region to point out the um, the geographical differences and the the differences in belief systems. However, from a U.S. Pers- ethnocentric perspective, um, this is an area of the world that is often um, pointed to as being down on women and being restrictive of women. I mean, even even in this even in this book, when we see. Nasir go on vacation with his wife and his three daughters. Um, you know they're they're wearing the complete uh, complete cover, right? Um, not 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 face cover, but just every every other right. part of their body covered. And um, and yet here's a uh, here's a woman who is one of the most powerful people in Iraq. And that's a pretty interesting dynamic to be playing with, and very cool too, actually. So. I, the, I enjoyed that part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so now we're going to get into the last two questions. Um, and these are the two questions that really... <laughs> these are the two questions that actually make me frustrated that it's over. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's dive into them. Uh, so there's a character that shows up in this book who is, as Mike has pointed out a couple times, we don't really get last names of these um, sort of upper-level American influencers. Um, and, or operatives, and we get this character who's called Jim from Ops. And what we, the basic twist of the story is that Jim from Ops may not be who he was claiming to be and may have been acting like someone else. Um, so my question to you, Mike, is do you think Jim from Ops was a fake, like he claimed to be in the end, or do you think he really was Jim from Ops, the guy in control of the operation? (sighs)
0: <sighs> Good question. Um, I I take it at face value that he was a fake. Uh, that he was faking being I should say when right. Um, that he was faking being the head of anything. That he was he- that he was faking being Franklin's boss. Right. Um, because a it adds a little bit more dimension to him, and b it makes the ending even more like. Um, uh, telling as far as where our characters are at, um, right? Because if he had been the guy at the end that says just, yes, yes, uh, you know, I I am the leader and I am you know, either that or he's a Weasley guy that thinks he can get out of it by saying I'm just a computer tech, right? Um, um, but I just I don't um you know if he was not a computer tech then I would say that if he was really a man of power like he claimed to be then he would be like you guys don't know what you're doing they're gonna come and kill you all they're gonna like i have you know you're gonna piss off important friends by killing me and that kind of thing like right like so i think he would have been a, it would have been a whole different dynamic um uh but yeah I, I so i'm opting i'm on the side that jim
1: is 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 just an it guy yeah i i'm actually gonna take that same exact side and it's interesting because And one of the things I wanted to point out about Jim's character, because I think this is um, really important as we just come off the questions about, you know, what, what um, the influence of spirituality in the character's lives. There's this scene where I love this panel, by the way, this is, this panel, this page is amazing. It's basically Jim from ops. This is the very end of the meeting. It's Jim from ops. It's Franklin and it's, you know somebody in the background with a gun, and they're standing in front of this um, SUV. It looks almost like an Escalade or something. And then on the other side of the conversation is our uh, Sophia, Christopher, and Nasir. And um, Jim from Ops says, "We're going to get this bastard," meaning Abu Rahim. And then Nasir and Sophia and Christopher are just sort of like staring back at him, like. Yeah. Kind of like he's an idiot, right? And then yeah. Sophia says... And she even tilts her head to the side like, like as if she's trying to test him to see where he's at. And she says, God willing. And he responds with, Ha! That's good. God willing. Damn effing right. Um, and he actually says the word, but just for the sake of the listeners. Um, yeah. and, and that sets up this really, really interesting dynamic from a lot of different perspectives about... Um, where the different people are coming from. Um, And I think that Jim from Ops was a fake, although when I read back through the second time and I read through these panels where he's having this conversation with him, he doesn't say anything that would indicate that he does have higher level knowledge, which means he could definitely be a fake. But man, is he playing the role well.
0: (laughs) It's true. I mean, he's
1: bought into it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, but I think your conclusion is is a hundred percent on. There's me and my hundred percent again. Um, that you're right on because he doesn't ever take another tactic when he's trying to defend himself against um, so- Sophia, uh, Christopher, and Nasir year. He did, like, and I think he would if he, he would take another tactic and say if he really had other cards to be dealt to save his own life, he would go into some other tactic, and he never does that. So I think you're right on with that assessment, which, is, yeah. which brings us to the last question, which is perhaps very troubling given that we both think that he's a fake. Um, <laughs> how do you feel about Christopher serving Jim from Ops up on a platter to Nasir like that? And what do you think it says about where those characters are at? Well, um, I believe that at the time...
0: That Christopher at the and, and there's a big I would imagine that there's at least a week or so time jump there, right? Because uh, Christopher's all you know bearded up, yep. and uh, there's so some time has passed, um, uh, but um, it probably isn't too much time. But in any case, so they've decided, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna uh, get get Jim to tell us what you know what happened if he's behind everything, um, because yeah, the two things. Are they related? You know, um, the, the, the the murdered officer, uh, police guy that, that Christopher was training, as well as um, the attack on Sophia. So um, Jim seems like the guy right. that would know, like, that it, we're, we're looking at Jim being responsible in some way for both of those things. Right. And, and when Christopher kidnaps him, I think he actually believes that. Yeah, because it's not until they, they get him uh, into a position where they're all questioning him that, that that's when he starts like going, no, 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 it's not. I'm just I'm just a, a lowly tech. Uh, you know, they ask me to, to come out and play the part occasionally. So I do. And I get a little bit of extra money for that. But I, I'm not I'm not I really don't know anything. Um, and so then what do you do? Right. But that and that's what that's where it's really telling what what about Christopher because Christopher like at first we're thinking wow this is the most ballsy thing he's done since he you know went into a room where a girl had a bomb and everybody else was running out right 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 Um, like to kidnap one of your own (laughs) even like is just like a pretty ballsy move absolutely um and even more so you know that he does not resist whatsoever when uh you know uh nasir puts a puts a bullet in him. yep Um there's no reaction at the end like oh my god you shouldn't have done that or no that's (laughs) not you know whatever it's just more like that's the way things are here um and uh you know for from jim's perspective it's a pretty high price to pay for playing a part but um uh You know, these guys, I think it just goes to show that that these three characters are 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 cutting through the BS. They're 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 not willing to. They're like and this is just one more level of BS that they don't want to deal with. They can't get to Bob. They can't get to Franklin yet. They may be on their list. uh, But as far as they were concerned, Jim was the guy. And yeah, Jim's not really the guy, but he's still part of the BS problem. So (laughs) let's—he's still a tool of Franklin's. So you know, let's let's eliminate him.
1: Right, right. Now, let me ask you this as a follow-up question. Now that we know that this is intended to be the end of the series, how do you feel about that? Well,
0: um, in a way, it's if it's the story of if it's the story of Christopher turning in from an idolized guy who wants to give kids chocolate to being mad that that world doesn't exist anymore (laughs) and, and just being accepting of it, then that story is done. Right. I mean, he's, he's, he's made that character arc. So the next thing, what, you know, the next story for him is however, you know, he decides to, to act from here on out. But um, I don't think he's the one sort of calling the shots so you know it's really Sophia's story at this point going forward because she's the one who's in uh, pretty much control of both Christopher and Nasir and now uh, granted they're they're willing participants they're not you know they're not uh, uh, just in it for you know to taking orders that's for sure uh, they've joined up with Team Sophia, uh, on their own accord on their own accords. But um I, I think that uh it does so that's I think so as far as his story arc goes, as far as the Sheriff of Babylon, his story his story arc is done. I mean that's right. the, the, the the title is his. He may not you know, like play as big of a part at the end that I thought he would, but he's in there, his arc is done. Um that's why I'm saying like I wanna see, you know. The Fia of Babylon is the next arc, and 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 go from there. More more Iraqi noir, so to speak.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. And I think um, you know, there's really two. There's two things you can do. Well, there's actually three things you can do with story. You can um, have a classic sort of redemptive story arc where the characters do the right thing and they make the personal sacrifice to 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 improve the world. Um, or you can have the exact opposite uh, opposite of that, where they really don't make a sacrifice at all, and it just sort of shows. It's a tragedy, right? It shows how um, effed up the world is. And I think um, I think in this choice, if this is the end, um, then it then it feels like they're going towards that type B type of a story. Um, obviously, the third choice is to just kind of play it out in the middle without making a, a huge conclusion either way. Um, that was my that was my uh, Logan argument, by the way. It was that it didn't do either. It just sort of just played itself out, um, uh, which I talked about on the ESO podcast, which is why I bring it up now. Um, but the uh, so for me personally, the reason why there was a moment when I finished this book that I went, wait a minute, is that is that it? And I went, no way, this is just Act Two, and we're going to see like how this all plays out later. Um, and there will be other consequences to this. And we'll figure out that Jim actually was a bad dude. And that it, what he wasn't a computer guy, right? Because um, I'm looking for, my brain is wanting, uh, or my heart, or whatever it is, wants the redemptive story arc. Yeah. Um, I want to see everything turn out really well. Particularly for Sophia, of all the people. And Nasir. Because they've been damaged really badly in this story. And yet... We don't get that, and if this is the end, then this is the end. And but from a character arc perspective, you are right on in your analysis of where Christopher has come from. And in some regards, I uh, you know this is one of the reasons why I still want to interview Tom is that part of me thinks like is this is this Tom's experience? Did Tom go over because he 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 was, uh, he was in the military and um, served in Iraq? Was this his sort of experience where he went over there and then decided like, wow, this is super complex and it's actually leaving me more broken than I ever thought I could be based on my experience here? Um, Obviously, it's probably an extreme example of it. I'm not suggesting that this is a memoir of any kind.
0: Um, but But it might be some sort of, you're right, it might be some sort of metaphor for him going over there, as you alluded to earlier, thinking... US we're going to clean this up and everything is going to be great we're going to give chocolate to people it's going to be awesome we're going to the kids will love us and and we're going to clean this place up and get them back on track you know like yeah. that's what we do and then through the course of things you know maybe he didn't go through this into this extreme but maybe just in his head now just from writing this you kind of you get the sense that no i think he really feels that uh, like there was some mistakes made on the United States part, some frustration there with maybe the way things were going and he did kind of you know uh, side he is siding now with um, the some of the Iraqi people and and Iraq as a you know as a as a figure and why not make you know, make iraq as a figure a really attractive girl (laughs) yep yeah (laughs) exactly exactly who's who's scarred by the way but yet you know is representative
1: of of where he sort of kind of feels about things now absolutely and i and i so i guess my my hope is that i really would like and, and what a cool title too like uh safia or sophia of babylon would be a great like um offshoot of this um it'd be really really cool to read so tom and mitch you need to do that um or at least get yourself on hbo but uh (laughs) in the absence of that i am i am left a little bit um a little bit bummed out with the non-redemptive storyline story arc i should say for the characters however i believe the story arc is phenomenal so there's something about us – I think there's something about uh, like uh, us as readers is where I really appreciate tragedies. And so I love the fact that we see more tragedies today because there was a little while there in our um, – in the in – the, in the, especially in pop culture where you, we, we were not getting any tragedies. It was all just like type A stories where everybody was redeemed in the end and it was all great and everything's fantastic. Um, but I really enjoy reading a good tragedy. So if that's where this stops, I'm totally cool with that because I love that aspect of things, but there's a big part of me too. That's like, oh man, can we see things like redeemed? You yeah. know, it's that, so. that big. Yeah.
0: And, and you know, it is, it is weird, interesting, and I don't know what it says for us as a society though, but it is seem to be coming back. I mean, if you look at all the, um, uh, entries for, uh, best picture, uh, this year in the Oscars, uh, I think all but two were downer endings. Um, uh, most of them were, you know, pretty, pretty hardcore. Whereas um, uh, there was only two like quote unquote Disney endings. I think one of them literally was a Disney movie. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. And well, and with this story here, look, I, I yeah, the Disney ending is kind of hard to, kind of hard to ask for because right. this is, a this, this is a i mean this whole environment is a mess and how anybody could come out of it you know with with that sort of with that sort of redemption is would would be difficult but um you know i i I agree i I wish there was something a little bit more definite and especially since since you know i i might have picked it up for uh christopher's story right but i fell in love with sophia so i'm like I, i i and her story doesn't doesn't feel like it's
1: done totally agree and there's a there's there's an interesting through line here and that is if you read this story you realize that what it looks like for us to get involved in foreign conflicts is probably not as nice as we would like to think it is um, not, that, not that many of us were under the delusions that it was like some really fanciful thing where we come in and save the day. Um, and I'm using the collective we as citizens of the United States. Um, I don't know, I'm not suggesting that we all agreed that we should go in anywhere. I'm not saying that. I'm just pointing out that the story is saying when the United States gets involved in foreign um, conflicts, it is a, it is not as clear cut and as clean as we would hope it would be. And that is a fascinating topic to close out the podcast with as it looks like we might even be getting drawn into another conflict um, with what's <laughs> going on with Syria. So this isn't a political podcast and I have no desire to get into politics per se. Um, but I do think that this is, these are some of the kinds of things that um, you can educate yourself on even by going through the stories that people who have experienced these things are, are telling Um, which is pretty interesting to me. So um, any other final thoughts as we close out the podcast? I, uh, I, I
0: I think it's, it's good reading. Um, It's good reading for uh, folks who like thrillers. It's a good reading for folks who enjoy in-depth characters, obviously um, for uh, those people who have listened to our, our, two volumes, our discussion on both these volumes I mean there's a lot of stuff to talk about and we've just barely scratched the surface I mean we could go in depth and I think in a lot of different ways and how much more rewarding this would be and uh, you know as it's just a peek into the situation uh, back in you know 10 years ago in this area It's interesting. it would be interesting to see what you know how realistic that is depicted and what's happening with it now um and uh, I definitely could see this you know played out on, on the big screen or the small screen as well
1: yeah uh, I, um, I agree with all of that and uh, it was a pleasure to have you join me for both volumes and we'll just hold on to the hope that they'll do another volume or that we'll be talking about an HBO show at some point <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> cool well, thank you for joining me Mike and with that I will close out this portion of the podcast as always it's my pleasure Well, that is it for today's podcast. Special thanks to Mike Gordon for joining me today. What did you think of today's conversation? Let us know. Write us an email at hi at reclamationsociety.org or check out our community group on MZ, which is where we host our discussion board. Our email address and the link to the MZ group are both in the show notes. Do not forget to subscribe. We actually have a Star Wars series coming up, so you're not going to want to miss out on that Star Wars series. We're going to have a lot of cool special guests. And when you do subscribe, write us a review on iTunes so that you're eligible to win free comics from the Reclamation Society. The Reclamation Society is also on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, so make sure you follow us and give us some feedback on what sci-fi, fantasy, or comic book story we should review next. That is it for today's show. As always, question everything in your favorite stories, and always seek the truth.